Welcome, family. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando. I'm alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and shift gears and go into the third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. One more seven step prayer. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me. Good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect that stands in the way of my youthfulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go off from here. You do your bidding. Amen. Today's reading comes to us from our daily reflection and is Making Amends, September 11th. Above all, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. 12 and 12, page 87. To have courage to be unafraid, our gift of my recovery. They empower me to ask for, my, for help and to go forth in making my amends with a sense of dignity and humility. Making amends may require a certain amount of honesty that I feel I lack. Yet, with the help of God and the wisdom of others, I can reach within and find the strength to act. My amends may be accepted or they may not, but after they are completed, I can walk with a sense of freedom and know that for today, I am responsible. Amen. Fernando Alcoholic. <clears throat> yeah, one of the making amends is uh, praying ahead of time. And there are no big deals. Get everything out of the way to live a happy, joyous, and useful life is the objective. Give thanks for the craziness I've done. And make a living amends by being of service and not doing those things again. That's the living amends. Amen. All right, now let's go ahead and move towards what my sponsor, Solomon, has to say for today, for the 11th. It says, living in rightness. It says, dishonest business practice is sometimes... Oh, hang on a minute. Let me change translations. We're going to get... Let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and try the Message Bible. Without good direction, people lose their way. Let me say a little bit about Alcoholics Anonymous and the good direction it supplies. All it does is supplies them with an incredible amount of good words, and we run them through our hearts through honesty the best to our ability, and they produce a good life. And if we stop listening or eating or putting these words in my hopper, and I start putting other words in my hopper like uh, espionage and all kinds of crazy stuff that I shouldn't be looking at because I reproduce that. Sitcoms, and I reproduce that in my life. I don't know about you, but I need to stay on this. There's no other way. To be happy, joyous, and free is for this man to to continually do the good direction. And the power of God over higher power 
just pushes us towards here. We won't be, I won't be satisfied and happy until I have a good dose of my higher power for today. So I might as well jump at it early, kind of like exercise. It does you good if you do it early all through the day. Amen. So the same thing with the Word of God, with our literature. Here we go. Proverbs 11, Message Bible. God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. The stuck-up fall flat on their faces, but down-to-earth people stand firm. The integrity of the honest keeps them on track. The devious of crooks brings them to ruin. A thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart, but a principal life can stand up to the worst. Moral character makes for smooth traveling, and evil life is a hard life. Good character is the best insurance. Crooks get trapped in their sinful lust. When the wicked die, that is, the story's over, an end of hope. A good person is safe from much trouble. A bad person runs straight into it. The loose tongue of the godless spreads destruction. The common sense of the godly preserves them. When it goes well for good people, the whole town cheers. When it goes badly for bad people, the town celebrates. When right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns into a ghost town in no time. Mean-spirited slander is heartless. Quiet discretion accompanies good sense. A gadabout gossip can be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Whoever makes deal with strangers is sure to get burned. If you keep a cool head, you'll avoid rash bargains. A woman of gentle grace gets respect. The men of rough violence grab for loot. When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. Bad work gets paid with a bad check. Good works get solid pay. Take your stand with God's loyal community and live, or chase after phantoms of evil and die. Take your stand with God's loyal community and live, or chase after phantoms of evil and die. That was number 19, 11, 19. 20, God can't stand deceivers, but oh, how he relishes integrity. Count on this, the wicked won't get off scot-free, and God's loyal people will triumph. Like a gold ring in a pink smile is a beautiful face on an empty head. The desire of good people leads straight to the best, but wicked ambition ends in angry frustration. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. The one who helps others are helped. Curse on those who drive a hard bargain. Blessing on all who play fair and square. The one who seeks good finds the light. The student of evil becomes evil. A life devoted to things is a dead life. A stump, a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree.
exploit or abuse your family and end up with a fistful of air. Common sense tells you a stupid way to live. A good life is a fruit-bearing tree. A violent life destroys souls. Is good people barely make it. What's in store for the bad? Whoa. That was uh, some of today's reading. Opening my heart. Here's a story about one's higher power's love. When I joined the program, my whole family life was collapsing. I was desperate search for a way to mend my relationships. My dysfunctional behavior as an adult, child of an alcoholic, and contaminated with the alcohol had brought us both to our knees. In the program, I heard, take care of yourself. Don't decide anything about yourself right now. Focus on yourself and your recovery. The first friendship I mended with with myself and that relationship needed quite a bit of fixing. The steps offered me the opportunity to develop relationship with a higher power, God as I understood him. I knew deep down I had a higher power. I had been searching for God for such a long time, but no, no way seemed to fit my understanding. The love that my higher power gives me today is a daily blessing. I try to find ways to improve my conscious contact with God because the relationship is the most important one in my life. Thanks to this source of unconditional love in the program, I have been able to change my relationship with others. It has spilled over. I stopped waiting for other people to give me what only God can. I think I can sum up this process in four words. Letting go of ego. In my relationship with myself, I have become self-absorbed because of my self-loathing. My fear, shame, and guilt has shrunk my heart. There was no room there, either for me or for others. When I finally realized this, thanks to Elanon, AA, <clears throat> NA, and all the other 12-step programs, even Overeaters Anonymous, that I was not different from others. I stopped hating myself so much and started making room for love in my heart. Letting go of my ego in my relationship with God can be summed up by, I can't, I tried, he can, it's obvious. I finally accepted this simple fact. I don't want to play God anymore. I happily surrender and I pray for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. In letting go of ego in my relationship with others, I had to acknowledge that pride is probably my worst sin. When I am able to let go of my pride, I don't feel offended if someone tells me a few home truths. I don't try to defend myself by attacking the other person like I used to do. I listen, and when I know it is true, I can say, you're right. That doesn't mean I don't protect myself. Instead, it means I can choose my boundaries. I want to listen, learn, and grow. It's my, not my business if someone else doesn't also want that. I feel less threatened by others because I'm starting to believe in me, to love me for who I am, one of God's perfect, imperfect children. Amen. Our next story is called, I was able to give when I let go of my expectations to receive. I was able to give when I let go of my expectations to receive. My spiritual journey began long before I entered 
the rooms. I knew I was seeking something in this program, and that's something to help with the feeling of emptiness, loneliness, helplessness, inadequacy, anger, no confidence, and frustration. I thought those feelings were being caused by what was being done to me. I sought escape from those feelings in many ways, through the bottle, through anger, through through sulking and not communicating. Then I sought answers in many places. Of course, I didn't know what I was searching for until I was introduced and stumbled into the program, the 12 Steps, and got a sponsor and a friend and the 12 Steps. I told my family on early that I had found help in the 12-step program. I wish there was a place for me to go. I tried church but was unable to get relief from the constant questioning running through my head. I tried counseling, but I found it too hard, and I couldn't follow through with what was required of me. I tried praying, but I was praying for what I thought I needed, and the result was that I thought God was punishing me. It wasn't until my first step that I realized I wasn't alone. My higher power had been there all along, every step of my journey. I had been guided into the doors of the program. Once I entered those doors, I was introduced to the idea of finding out about me, how I related to him, how I related to my higher power, how he was watching me all along. I did not know how to let him in, how I contributed to the disease of my alcoholism and how to pass on this program once I got relief. As I continue my spiritual journey, I found that I gave with strings attached. No matter what I did, I always did with an expectation of getting something back. As I worked the steps, I studied and watched others who were walking this path. I wanted what they were getting. If I wasn't getting that particular result, then I wasn't doing it right. I had attached strings to my efforts in this program. When I recognized this and was able to give it to my higher power, the string started to, to snap. Something to sometimes today, the fiber reattaches itself and I, it has to be clip, clipped again. I feel best when I can just be of service to others. When feeling of loneliness, emptiness, and, or inadequacy return, I know to turn to my higher power and ask to remove the obstacles that is standing between us. The answer to my situation do not lie with someone else. They are within me. The more I practice step 11, the better am I able to do this. When I am not in the 11th step, I begin to run on empty and, and my giving becomes full of expectations. Intolerance and judging. I become angry, frustrated, and fatigued. This program has changed my life. Thank you, God, for the beginnings. Thank you, God, for beginnings of the new life. Our next story is called Facing Lifelong Denial. Trusting in God has often taken me places I would not have taken myself. Let me tell you for one example. I was writing a story on the topic of enabling, only I didn't think I knew much about it. I went online and searched for the content and definition of enabling. I was surprised to learn not much information existed, but I did find the 12 steps under the resources as I read from Website information, I discovered an office was located about three, or a meeting was located about three miles away from my home. 
I looked up the hours and found there was a weekly meeting at 6 p.m. I decided I would stop by after work, see what I could learn from the discussion, and ask someone for some information on enabling. I attended the meeting, thought it was interesting, but not for me. After it was over, I browsed the literature and asked about resources on enabling, letting them know I was doing research for a project at work. We chatted a little bit, and I was told that I was welcome back. When I felt a bit nervous about telling my reason for attending, their kindness seemed sincere, and I really did believe it was okay for me to come back for more research to gain more understanding about enabling. So I continued to return as I prepared my project. As I listened to people tell their stories of experience, strength, and hope, I started to hear bits and pieces of my life in the words I rarely spoke, but that wasn't concern to anyone in the room. Someone always seemed to say to me, we're glad to have me and keep coming back. I bought the literature because it has some short inside lessons, a little 24-hour book on it. It was a spiritual reference and good guide. I used the daily readings as a means to draw closer to God. I let her bought the rest of the material and read some of the old grapevines, which were more available to take home, read and return at a later meeting. Some of the situations seemed so familiar to how I felt. Some of the stories seemed familiar to mine. Some of the literature really seemed to speak to my personal challenges. As the months passed, I cried, I laughed, I read, and I was eating popcorn with these magazines. I started to ask myself, could alcohol really be the source of such confusion in my life? And wouldn't something so harmful as a toxic be controlling substance with a dosage label? After all, even Tylenol has a dosage on it. It didn't make sense, although I could talk logically and professionally with people about the effects of alcohol. I had such a deep rooting of denial for years of environmental and cultural denial that I did not recognize in my life what some people might clearly see. My environmental denial, I meant the culture in my family, which, and then this society, which there's alcohol all over and suffer with the same torments as we did. The misuse of alcohol was prevalent, but has not received. we have not received help to move towards recovery. I did not know what to call the issue of so much alcohol in my life since it was not identified as an issue. While people in the family suffer from asthma and high blood pressure, no one had ever spoke of anyone who suffered from alcoholism. By environmental denial, I meant a culture of college and workplace acceptance that alcohol is a part of our norm instead of an abnormal means to cope entertain and socialize. My cultural denials continue to receive support in alcohol advertisement. Commercials, movies, and television shows that glamorize drinking as a means for building relationships and a good time. The denial I didn't know I had became an essence of acceptance of a level of tolerance that would otherwise be intolerable in an environment of cultural or wellness. The denial was so deep, it was an embarrassment to speak the words in the, in the meetings so I would often have internal thoughts about how the characters that seemed too similar to the family in which I had been raised and co-workers I had encountered, yet I couldn't seem to accept it because surely someone would have labeled my family and called them alcoholic by now. After all, I was already in my late 30s. 
getting a new perspective on it was a challenge because of the learned unspoken rules, don't speak, don't feel, and don't trust. It had taken nearly three years for me to start to undo what would have taken 30 years of learning to tolerate and hold close. Getting past denial is something that had happened gradually for me. I believe God has given me what I can handle little by little. He has opened my eyes to see people for what they are, which is human, and see the effects of alcohol, misuse for what they are, disease, and mask. I have listened and learned to separate the alcohol from the person. I have grown in my ability to accept people from my thought were trying to hurt me as people who are actually hurting themselves. As I have allowed myself to learn about the disease of alcoholism, I have learned how to have compassion for people who are suffering and experiencing loss of control. I have noticed that compassion has come as the denial has passed. If you had told me four years ago I would find fellowship and compassion for family and friends who suffer with the disease of alcoholism, I would not have guessed God was taking me down the same path when I walked into the meetings. The first evening to gather research. What a wonderful gift the program has been to me to face denial as I keep coming back. And let's go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep from, keep coming back, family. It works. It's working. I'm going to do my best. And you know, um, you know it's going to be God talking when you're not prepared. And that's probably best. So, looking back... Um, something I never realized, you know, was that I always felt like I wasn't good enough for anything, you know, and I had to lie about everything. You know, I had to build up this character that, that I thought people would like. Um, you know, I remember my brother used to race motorcycles and, and I used to do it, you know, just on the weekends with them, but I didn't race, right? Because I was too afraid. But everybody at school thought I raced them, right? Because, you know, I wanted to be that guy. You know, and I wanted to be the fearless person that would do something like that. And that wasn't the case for me for a long, long time. But, you know, for me, I first, I took my first drink when I was 15. Um, I remember I used to help my grandparents, you know, take out their, uh, their decorations from the attic. And I remember going up there and seeing, you know, a 12 pack, a variety pack of Pacificos. Been sitting up in the attic for who knows how long, right? But as soon as they left, you know, I was in high school and I saw, you know, the older people doing it. I thought it was cool. That would be an easy way for me to fit in. So as soon as they left, you know, I called my best friend. I'm like, hey, come over. Got something we can do, right? So, you know, we each take a beer from that 12-pack that and we take it, like, into the woods, you know, across the street. Didn't even have a way to open it. I think we hit it on a rock or something. And, uh, we started drinking. I remember taking that first sip and I was like, oh, damn, that was terrible, you know? And, but we both finished it, you know? And after that, we felt like we did it. You know, we're kings. We're not just little freshmen anymore, you know? And, and um, 
from there it was you know kind of normal drinking you know drinking at the high school parties doing what everyone else did um and for me it didn't really take a turn until i hit you know probably 25 um you know i was with my high school sweetheart you know at that time we were living in what i thought to be you know a crummy little apartment in glendora um and I wasn't making enough money and I didn't have the right cars and I wasn't big enough, I wasn't good enough, you know, you name it, it wasn't me. And um, luckily for me, you know, right on the corner of those apartments was a, a 7-Eleven that sold uh, everything I could imagine, you know. And, and so oftentimes, you know, I'd go there, get what I needed and uh, go on a run, you know. And at first it was just the weekend and then the work, the weekend turned into Mondays too. And then, oh, you know what? There's an Angel Game Tuesday. I should drink for that too. And, you know, it just, you know, that slow progression that the big book talks about. Um, and before I knew it, you know, I was going on two week benders and then, you know, lying in bed for three, four days, shaking, sweating, wondering what the hell I did. You know, I remember my wife tells me this one story. Um, she comes home from work and, you know, I'm passed out on the couch without clothes, you know, and she's like, what are you doing in the living room? You know, without clothes, you know, watching like Moana or something like Disney Channel. Right. And, um, you know, she tells that story from time to time. and I'm like, that's why I go to AA. So I don't do that anymore, you know, and, um, you know, so that progression happened. And, um, you know, when you're when you're too drunk to do anything, you know, you got to call off work, right? So I, I called off, you know, as much as I could, right? I don't even know how many times my grandma died, you know, that my employers thought. And, uh, and eventually, you know, we, um, we had a kid and, uh, you know, for that, while my wife was in labor, you know, I drove her drunk to the hospital. Um, throughout her labor, I was going through withdrawals and sneaking out to the car, taking sips of vodka, trying to just, you know, get rid of the shakes and the sweats. And I remember my mother-in-law looked over at me during the, while we're in the hospital and she just gave me that look, right? And, you know, I was like, don't look at me like that, you know, joking. But in all honesty, you know, I knew what that look was for, you know, and I knew what I was doing was not good. And, um, you know, so the, labor went good you know we had a little boy um and uh around that time I was like all right you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna take it easy you know on the drinking you know I'm gonna stop so I would stop for 30 days 60 days 90 days but throughout the whole the whole time you know I was I was restless irritable and discontent you know I was just uncomfortable you know being in my own skin and um you know, I started going to a counselor because I thought that would help, right? And my counselor was like, well, have you ever tried controlled drinking? <laughs> and I'm like, I have not, you know, I'll give that a shot. And uh, she's like, all right, well, this weekend, just try to have six beers, you know? And I'm like, are you sure that bar's not a little too low? You know, I think it should go a little bit higher. She's like, just try six. I'm like, all right. So I come back to the next week and she's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, great, I only had six, that was it. She's like, we'll do it again. And I'm like, okay. So the next week I go out, come back to her. She's like, how'd it go? Not great. You know, I had about 20 in one day. 
And she's like, well, have you ever thought about Alcoholics Anonymous? And I'm like, don't even know what that is. No, I have not. And she gave me some, uh, you know, some literature on it. And uh, by that point, you know, the heat was on with the wife. And, uh, you know, I knew what I was doing wasn't good, you know, with the, especially with the kid, right? So um, I found this meeting in Chino at a church at like 7 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, I pull up into the parking lot and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, God, you know, maybe I just don't go in there. You know, what's going to happen then? You know, and I'm like, you know what? I got to I got to get some proof. Right. I got to I got to bring some proof home that I'm changing, you know. <laughs> so I walk into the uh, walk into the meeting with a sweatshirt on hat on. And, you know, I'm hiding out in the corner and all these people start saying hi to me. I'm like, what the hell, man? Leave me alone. You know, I'm here to hide, you know, and I made the mistake of, uh, you know, they asked, you know, any newcomers, any first meetings. So I raised my hand big mistake and uh you know they walk up and they're like give me a hug and i'm like i don't know you i'll give you a hug but you know never again get the hug and they uh they ask me you know what's your name and what's the nature of your disease and i said well my name's brandon but uh what's the nature of the disease and some old timer turns around he's like are you an alcoholic and i didn't think i was at that point but you know i was good at lying to people so i said it's all of them you know said, my name is Brandon, I'm an alcoholic. And, um, you know, I didn't take much from that meeting, except that everybody had a higher power. And so, you know, I brought that chick, that chip home and I said, hey wife, look what I got, you know, I'm all better. And, uh, you know, I got that higher power and, you know, started getting really involved in church. We started going to church. I started listening to podcasts and I stayed sober for about six months, right around Father's Day. And, um, one more time, you know, I'm sitting in bed, shaking, sweating, and I'm hearing my little six-month-old, you know, walking around the house, and my wife is like, you know, your, your son wants to see you on Father's Day, and, you know, that cut me. Um, you know, when I was four years old, my dad passed away, and, um, you know, I always wanted him there for those, you know, those big moments, right? The graduations, the wedding, all of it, he was never there, you know? Um, and here I was choosing not to be there you know, for these events. And so that next day, um, I found another meeting in Chino. And by this time it was a uh, COVID time. And, uh, thank God it was on zoom, right? Because for me to go in person and talk like this, oof, I would have had to been drinking to do that. And, um, you know, even in that zoom meeting, right? I kept my camera off, didn't say a word, but somebody reached out to me during the meeting and said, Hey, can we have a conversation after the meeting? I'm like, sure. He's like, you know, he tells me about his story. You know, he tells me that, you know, he has a wife and he has a really good job. And, you know, he's, he's still doing all these things that he didn't want to do that he knew he shouldn't be doing. And he's like, can I come over later? And I'm like, sure. So while he's on his way over, you know, I go out to the garage and I pull up the garage door so he can see all the cars and all the toys. And, you know, and I make sure that you know, everything looks good, that I look good on the outside, so he can come there and say, this guy's not an alcoholic, he doesn't need this, you know, and he, he talked to me, and you know, what I gathered was, you know, we had a lot, a lot of similarities, um, and when I came into these, me these meetings, they told me, you know, listen for the similarities, not the differences, 
And a lot of the similarities were, you know, that feeling, that restless, irritable discontent, you know, not being comfortable in my own skin. Um, So I started working the program with them. And, uh, you know, we did one step for each month. And uh, I never did service, you know. Half measures availed us nothing. And I got to 11 and a half months. And uh, the stress of this new job, you know, I I had no tools to deal with it. You know, and so I went back out, you know, two weeks before my year and, you know, following that, it was a bunch of in and outs. And, you know, finally, you know, I proved that, you know, it's like um, that last paragraph in chapter three, right? Tried everything, exhausted everything I could. You know, I tried measuring my drinks with a BAC calculator, but the trouble was by the time I got to 20 drinks, I forgot where I was at. So I got drunk again and, um, you know, I decided at this point we had had another kid, and for for the second um, for the second birth, I was actually sober, and you know, so grateful for that experience. You know, I got to have it at least once. Um, but you know, I came back into these rooms. My sponsor dumped me, and you know, when he did that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have more drinks. You know, your fault. I'm drinking. I'm gonna drink at you. <laughs> Little did I know it was uh, it was only hurting myself, right? And, um, but now I got a new sponsor, um, you know, we talk every day, you know, I'm, I'm in the big book, I'm in big book meetings, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in the step studies, I'm of service, you know, and I'm trying to do this thing to the best of my ability, and, uh, it's not always perfect, but, you know, my sobriety date is February 24th, 22, and for that I'm truly grateful, it's, um, it's all a gift, you know, from, from my higher power and, and putting the work in. You know, the biggest thing I tell people about, you know, staying sober is action. Action, action, action. Because, you know, I like to, I like to think my way through things, right? And I like to cut the angle in the corner. And, and that doesn't work here, you know, because I get restless, irritable, and discontent. And then what do I do? Um, so, yeah, I think for me, you know, it was a long road to get here, right? And um, there's no telling what's for tomorrow, but I know for at least today, you know, I'm gonna work these steps, I'm gonna stay in service, and stay connected to my higher power, and, and just do the deal, you know, keep it simple, because I love to overcomplicate things. And I think that's all I got. If Mr. Mike would like to step up. Tough, tough act to follow. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Today's daily reflection. We ask his protection, September the 8th. We ask his protection and care with complete abandon. Page 59 of Ark Nana's Big Book. I could not manage my life alone. I had tried that road and failed. My ultimate sin dragged me down to the lowest level I have ever reached and unable even to function. I accepted the fact that I desperately needed help. I stopped fighting and surrendered entirely to God. Only then did I start growing. God forgave me, a higher power had to have saved me, 
because the doctors doubted that I would survive. I have forgiven myself now, and I enjoy a freedom I have never before experienced. I open my heart and my mind to him. The more I learn, the less I know. I, a humbling fact, but I sincerely want to keep growing. I enjoy serenity, but only when I entrust my life totally to God. As long as I am honest with myself and ask for his help, I can maintain this rewarding existence. Just for today, I strive to live his will for me soberly. I thank God that today I can choose not to drink. Today, I have the power to do what is right. Today, life is beautiful. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and yes, I said that. Today, I have the power to say no to dangerous people, places, and things. I have the power to say no and control myself. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous, for giving me that ability that I knew in my heart that was always there, but I couldn't bring it up until I, I admit it and I was part of the AA Fellowship. All right, our next reading is from 3,500-year-old reading from my sponsor, Solomon. And today's Proverbs 8. It says, Wisdom and Folly, what's the difference? And let me go ahead and get an uh, easy translation so we can understand the uh, in today's a language, easy does it type of a message. All right, I'm going to try the uh, the New Living Translation. And if that doesn't do it, we'll go to a more easy does it one. <clears throat> this one, wisdom calls for a hearing. Listen as wisdom calls out. Are you listening? Here, as I as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates of the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries out loud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me. For I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right. For I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding. Clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instructions rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers live with my help, and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Those who search for me will surely find me. I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than silver sterling. I walk in righteousness, in paths of justice. 
Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. The Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past. At the very first, before the earth began, I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born, before he had made the earth and fields and the first handful of soil. I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits to the seas, so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. And so, my children, listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. Amen. That was the New Living Translations. Let's go ahead and try uh, a couple of more translations. Let's see if we can find some ones that have a little more um, like uh, humor to them. Yeah, humor. Here's the Passion Translation. Let's, let's, I'm kind of curious about this one. This one is titled, Wisdom Calling, Proverbs 8. Can't you hear the voice of wisdom? Huh. From the top of the mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city, at the place where pathways merge. At the entrance of every portal, there she stands ready to impart understanding, shouting out loud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to those who will listen. I'm calling to you, sons of Adam. Yes, and you, to you, daughters as well. Listen to me, and you will be prudent and wise. Listen, for even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their inner being. The meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you to reign in life. Did you hear that? The meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you to reign in life. My lyrics will empower you to live by what is right. For everything I say is unquestionably true, and I refuse to endure the lies of lawlessness. My words will never lead you astray. All the declarations of my mouth can be trusted. They contain no twisted logic or perversion of the truth. All my words are clear and straightforward to everyone who possesses spiritual understanding. If you have an open mind, you will receive revelation knowledge. Hear that? My wise correction is more valuable than silver or gold. The finest gold is nothing compared to the revelation knowledge I can impart. Wisdom is so priceless that it exceeds the value of any jewel. Nothing you could wish for can equal her. For I am wisdom, and I am shrewd and intelligent. I have at my disposal living understanding, 
to devise a plan for your life. Wisdom pours into you when you begin to hate every form of evil in your life. So that's what worship and fearing God is all about. Then you will discover that your pompous pride and perverse speech at the very ways of wickedness that I hate. Are the very ways of wickedness that I hate. Pompous pride and perverse speech. Now for the power of wisdom. <clears throat> you will find true success when you find me, for I have insight and wise plans that are designed just for you. I hold in my hand living understanding, courage, and strength. I empower kings to reign and rulers to make laws that are just. I empower princes to rise and take dominion and generation and generous ones to govern the earth. I will show my love to those who passionately love me, for they will search and search continually until they find me. Unending wealth and glory come to those who discover where I dwell. The riches of righteousness and a long, satisfying life will be given to them. What I impart has greater worth than gold and treasure, and the increase I bring benefits more than a windfall of income. I lead you into the ways of righteousness to discover the paths of true justice. Those who love me gain great wealth and a glorious inheritance, and I will fill their lives with treasuries. Wisdom in the beginning. In the beginning of time, I was there. For God possessed me even before he created the universe. From eternity past, I was set in place. Before the world began, I was anointed from the beginning. Before the ocean depths were poured out and before there were any glorious fountains. Overflowing with water, I was there dancing. Even before one mountain had been sculpted or one hill raised up, I was already there, dancing. When he created the earth, the fields, even the first autumn of dust, I was already there. When he hung the tapestry of the heavens and stretched out the horizon of the earth, when the clouds and skies were set in place <clears throat> and the subterranean fountain began to flow strong, I was already there. When he set in place the pillars of the earth and spoke the decrees of the sea, commanding the waves so that they wouldn't overstep their boundaries. I was there close to the Creator's side as his master artist. Daily he was filled with delight in me as a playf I playfully rejoiced before him. I laughed and played so happy with what he made while finding my delight in the children of men. Now wisdom is worth waiting for. So listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I'm telling you, for nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. Listen to my counsel, for my instructions will enlighten you. You'll be wise not to ignore it. If you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen for what I'll say. For the fountains of life pours into you every time that you find me. And this is the secret of growing in the delight and the favor of the Lord. But those who stumble and miss me will be very sorry they did. For ignoring what I have to say will bring harm to your own soul. Those who hate me are simply flirting with death. Wow. 
What a beautiful, beautiful translation, huh? The passing translation. Our Fernando Alcoholic, in the beginning, is, is so beautiful, eloquates or points out that it has a plan for our lives. If I wait for God to give me that knowledge for today, a word for today. You know, uh, <clears throat> writing three pages, morning pages, is really waiting on God. You know, you ask Him how, what, where, and when in your journal. And then you wait. How, what, where, and when. I'll give you an illustration. We were practicing relaxing on, on Saturday. Go, go, go from Sunday, making meetings, making coffee, going to church, doing this, dealing with people, uh, running a business, Monday through Friday. So Saturday was a delight. So we would get all the all the maintenance done, all the clothing, all the house and everything for Saturday so we can start relaxing Friday night. And then on Saturday, enjoy. And one day I said, the wife and I, I said, let's go ahead and wait, start waiting on God to so see if anybody needs help. We'll have gas in the car. We'll be ready. We've, our clothes are ready. And we'll we'll wait here till we get a phone call, and so we would do every this every mostly Saturdays when we would remember to do it, and there, and we would get a call around one thirty in the afternoon. Hey, I, I got a flat tire, or can you pick up my kid? We didn't tell the people that we're here waiting to help people. We just we told God. Then one day we waited. I waited and waited eight hours. It was already almost the end of the day. And I'm reading and listening and waiting. We're waiting on the front couch, looking outside. It didn't seem like that big of a wait. You know, you have so much energy, you start to fickle. But we waited. And then finally, a text came in around 4.30 in the afternoon. And it's from a guy that had a hard time getting sober. You know, he was always bugging me. Finally, he got it. And he, he said, they need a speaker for Friday night at North Hollywood at 10.30. Excuse me, they need a speaker tonight at 10.30. I mean, within five hours or something like that. They need a speaker. And I text right back within seconds. I said, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. I'll be there. It took me an hour and a half to get there, even more to find a place. It was in the storage room of a shopping center, some kind of warehouse locked, and it seemed like no one was there except there was an alcoholic guy that couldn't even talk leaning up against these locked doors that looked like they were abandoned underneath a warehouse. <clears throat> and I was getting a little frustrated, and it's always an adventure looking for a meeting. Anywhere in Hawaii, in Santa Cruz, in Mexico, in Oakland, you have an address, and finding the meeting is always. When I was in, in not Chicago, but I was in in um, Washington D.C., getting it was an adventure finding a meeting, and I didn't think anybody was going to be there. In Hawaii, I didn't think anyone was going to be there. There was 120 people in Hawaii. There was no room in Washington D.C. Everybody was there already. It was an amazing experience, this alcoholic journey, anonymous journey. Getting back to my story, hang on, I kind of lost what I was talking about. 
Uh, the punchline. What was the punchline? The punchline. Yes, here it is. If I just wait on God. I went to North Hollywood. They finally, the doors open at exactly 1028, 1029. And all kinds of skateboards and kids. And, and it filled up with about, I don't know, 30, 40 kids. You know, young people. And I saw the guy that invited me. The guy that invited me was a, that needed the guy was uh, a former police officer who lost it and lived homeless for a couple of years. And now he was back and he was, he was doing things that he wasn't doing the first time, which I wasn't doing the first time. And to be 100% ready for service. He was running a meeting in the Young People's Inn, North Hollywood. I remember doing the meeting and talking about my experience, strength, and hope. And the topic I chose is, how many thoughts are going through your mind on a daily basis? And there was about 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts, as the university tells us, that runs through our heads. But, amen. So I did it, and I finished it. The wife was there. We had a great moment of clarity. The presence of God was there, strong, and I. To this day, the, I've, that was the point. Waiting on God. Now we wait with pen and pencil today, and see what words we get, what directions. Uh, unless God makes it real clear to do something, and He, uh, I'll do it. Like go to Hawaii, buy a car, go up north. You know, probably more, but. More things can are available, but our energy is only goes so far, right? All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming today. I'd like to read one story since we've been talking about young people. This is a young person's story. This comes to us from Chad P. from Mount Vernon, Indiana, where my life began. Young and terrified, he left his rough, drunken world and walked through a door that said, Welcome home. Again, young and terrified, this teen, he ran away from his rough, drunken home and walked through in a new home that said, Welcome. I was 25 when I walked into the Here's How group in Carbondale, Illinois, in 2003. I believe it was February. I was desperately ready for something, and something in me seemed to be leading me there. It had been 15 months since I had had a drink or a drug, as far as I knew, and my mind was chattering at me nonstop about alcohol, drugs, and suicide. I don't remember much of what came out of my mouth in that meeting room, let alone what anyone else told me. But the man who became my first sponsor, Cliff M., told me, I'm glad you're here. My alcoholic thinker was telling me to leave because they weren't any people my age in the room, and worst of all, no girls I might date. I had nearly died already at least once by choking on vomit. Of course, in my mind, I had never been too drunk to drive either. Yet, I leave places in blackouts. When I was drinking, I get physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive and end up in the worst neighborhoods. I dimly remember being in some gang's territory in Chicago once, getting a firm talking too, by a prostitute named Snow, about how I shouldn't be running around with no shirt or shoes, 
This disease brought a vicious darkness that wouldn't go away. It is still possible that I badly hurt or maybe even killed someone in one of those blackouts. They were that bad. A horrible drunk took over my body when I drank. I, I did not end up at the Here's How group by mistake. Thank God. Thank God the members at the Here's How treated me like a sick, terrified kid with nowhere else to go and nothing to be ashamed of. Typing this still brings up tears for me. The old-timers treated me like a son. Matt P. took me with him everywhere and got me to go out and eat with the others. Winston M. always put, on his, put out his hand and gave me a smile that had nothing hidden behind it. Lee shouted out a greeting to me wherever I ran into him at the grocery store. Tony, Tony L. started sponsoring me when Cliff got too busy and tragically did not stay sober. And when I got to step six and seven and share what I felt like I was, I was all defect. Rochelle gave me a comforting grandmotherly hug. These members more than lived up to the sign on the group's door. Welcome home. Since those early days, I met many alcoholics who came into AA and sobered up at my age or younger, some with decades of sobriety now. For about five years, I was part of the Young People's Group in Columbia, Missouri. It was there that I first learned about the International Conference of Young Peoples in AA, ICPAW. When members of our state White Paul chapter came and served up pancakes. Okay, let me read this again. For over five years, I was part of the Young People's Group in Columbia, Missouri. It was there that I first learned about ICYPAAA. When members of our state White Paw chapter came and served us pancakes. I met a guy there from New York named Kurt who got sober at 16 and reached 33 years sober. He told me he followed the old timers, Harvey S., Lisa S., Tony C., and my hero, Mel B. They all got sober around my age. Mel reached 66 years of sobriety before he passed. Wow. My current sponsor got sober at 21. He has 29 years now and may have more enthusiasm for 12-step work than anyone I ever met. He's encouraged me to do service work with our AA archives, which is how I got to interview Chuck A., who helped start INCYPAA, Indiana Conference of Young Peoples in AA, in the 1980s. That kind of service is just what I needed. It helps me remember that I learned at Here's How Group, my life didn't end with sobriety. It started. From Chad P. Mount Vernon, Indiana. Beautiful, wonderful, and it just brings me chills that I am part of this progress. And some of you young people coming in, isn't it amazing that I, the Lord, my God, Jesus Christ, picked a story about the Hollywood, North Hollywood, here in Los Angeles. I live up in the suburbs in Glendora. And then it's all about young people. So, and if you're young and listen to this, it's no mistake. There is a God that, as I understand him, that's all-powerful, all-loving, and all-caring. And the minute I say, yes, yes, to my God, I say, yes, yes, 
I accept you without any reservation, things start to happen. I say, uncle, I surrender. Let's get on with this. Let's get on with this program of a plan of helping others, living soberly one day at a time, and being intrigued in life again, to live again, and enjoy life and help others. Let's go ahead and pray out, please. Woo, what a great session today, huh? Let's pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Thank you for coming to today's podcast, family. I'm Fernando, your meeting host, secretary, alcoholic. Let us start this session with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me courage to change the things I can and and grant me wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Let's do that again. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. All right. Thank you for coming to today's recovery podcast where I'll be reading a little reflections and then some uh, King Solomon, who I call my sponsor, and then an article from the grapevine, which I have really enjoyed reading on taking them randomly and and getting the message out there, not only for uh, the listeners, for you, for you, for giving you a quick meeting, but also for me when I'm walking around and doing exercise or just enjoying the day and walking, I can listen to my own podcast and the information there. So I, I eat the wisdom that's already written down twice, two, three, four, five times, and it goes in deeper. Amen. Anything to stay sober, anything we can do to stay ahead of the disease that's nipping at my heels two weeks behind me. When I say two weeks, I know when the, the, the disease wants me to, it's catching up with me. When the, the uh, commercials start looking good, when I start romancing the uh, the beer with the white mug head on it, you know, it's just brimming over. Or the, uh, I know that I'm lagging behind on my eating my information words, talking to my sponsor, working with others, or keeping the light on of these words, the information in AA family, like we, we've been discussing. So let's go ahead and get started right away. For today, it says recovery by proxy, question mark. Daily Reflections, recovery by proxy. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 84. They, the promises, will always materialize if we work for them. If we read about them, think about them, okay? And, of course, we do the basics of getting ourselves ready for promises, 
Sometimes I think making these amends is going too far. No one should have to humble himself like that. However, it is this very humbling of myself that brings me that much closer to the sunlight of the Spirit. AA is the only hope I have if I'm to continue healing and gaining a life of happiness, friendships, and harmony. Amen. All right, that was that. And let's go ahead and jump to see what our sponsor has to say, or my sponsor. He says, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. And death right there is eternal hell. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the cravings of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A son who gathers in summer is prudent, but a son who sleeps in harvest brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will heed commandments, but a prodding fool will come to ruin. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will be found out. He who winks the eye causes trouble, but he who boldly reproves makes peace. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the babbling of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wages of the righteous lead to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. He who heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof goes astray. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but he who restrains his lip is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the mind of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessings of the Lord makes rich, and he has no sorrow with it. It is like sport to a fool to do wrong, but wise conduct is pleasure to a man of understanding. Wise conduct is pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest pass, the wicked is no more. But the righteous is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous ends in gladness, but the expectations of the wicked comes to naught. 
The Lord is a stronghold to him whose ways is upright, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Alrighty, now I'm going to put a little twist to it. I'm going to read just the uh, the positive side of these and put a little different translation on it. See if you can pick up on just on the positive side. In other words, the positive side is what the good, talking about the righteous person, not including the... Uh, the wicked one. Alrighty. Oh, well, let's go ahead and go with the uh, Passion Translation. See how we do that. The Wisdom of Solomon. When wisdom comes to a son, joy comes to a father. Honesty brings you a lasting happiness. The Lord satisfies the longing of all his seekers. Hard workers become wealthy. A a wise son will take advantage of the season they're in. The seekers of God are enriched beyond belief. A good memory of the righteous becomes a sweet memorial to him. The heart of the wise will easily accept instruction. The one who walks in integrity will experience a fearless confidence in life. The one who speaks correction honestly can be trusted to make peace. The one who speaks correction honestly can be trusted to make peace. The teachings of the seekers of God are like living truth flowing from the fountain of life. Love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. Wisdom, words flow from the one with true discernment. Wise men don't divulge all they know. A rich man's wealth becomes like a impregnable imp- palace, a citadel of strength. The seekers of God earn their wages for a life of righteousness. If you easily receive correction, you are walking on the path of life. Readily receive correction and you'll walk on the path of life. The one who, if you keep talking, it won't be long before you're saying something really wrong. Prove your wise from the very start. Just bite your tongue and be strong. The teachings of the godly ones are like pure silver, bringing words of redemption to others. The lover's The seekers of God feed many with their teachings. 
True enrichment comes from the blessing of the Lord with rest and contentment in knowing that it all comes from Him. The wise delight in having discernment. The longing of the seekers of God will be fulfilled. The seekers of God have a secure anchor. Living in the praising and worshiping of all of God will bring you many years of content living. Seekers of God have a joyful feast of gladness. The beautiful ways of God are a safe resting place. God's seekers can never be greatly shaken. Inheriting covenant blessings. The teaching of the righteous are loaded with wisdom. Words that bring delight to people, they pour easily out from the godly, from the righteous. Amen. That was the thank you, sponsor Solomon. Sponsor us with good words that we have great things coming up. All right, here we go. I'm reading from December of 1986. Grapevine, so let's see what he, something I probably haven't read already. Here we go. Doing the don'ts, okay, doing the don'ts. This is by J.H. San Antonio, Texas. It says, they broke all the rules to get me into AA. The rules I am referring to are practices that have become accepted in my local in the mid-80s since, in reality, we have no rules in AA. Rule one, a person must call AA before we can help him. I still don't know who, in 1976, in, in Abilene, Texas, called AA to come and get me. But AA did. Rule two, a person must have a desire to stop drinking before we can help. The only desire I expressed for the two AA 12-steppers when they came to help me was for some pills to help me get over my current drunk. Rule three, we don't talk about God to new people. The senior member of the pair of the 12-steppers informed me, you don't need pills to help you stop drinking. You need God to help you stop drinking. Rule four, we don't babysit drunks. From October 21st through October 26th, I had around the clock 24 hours a day babysitting by members of AA, and they didn't know me from Adam. It happened because a psychiatrist wanted to send me to the mental health ward at the nearby state hospital. The AA members convinced the psychiatrist to admit me instead to the local medical center to dry out. The psychiatrist imposed one condition, that I have full-time babysitting by members of AA while in the hospital. Rule five, long-term sobriety is a prerequisite for sponsoring. The junior member of the pair of the 12 steppers became my first sponsor. She had three months of sobriety. I don't think I would have made it without her. Several sober years later, while rule one firmly entrenched in my mind, I was taking the AA phone calls at my home one weekend the caller was a disrupt mother wanting help with her precious daughter, 
who used to be such a good girl, but whose life was now being ruined by alcohol. My first impulse was to tell her that we in AA do not try to force anyone to get help, that the daughter herself must reach out for help. I was about to say, all I can do is recommend the Al-Anon program to you. But the mother was so pathetic, so frantic, she was begging and pleading, please, please, can you do something for my girl? I recall how my own mother had suffered while I was in the throes of alcoholism. Then I remember something one of the great old-timers used to repeat to me. Bill called Bob. Bob didn't call Bill, he used to say, his voice full of feeling as he pronounced our co-founders' names. So apprehensively, I dialed the girl's phone number. When I heard a woman say hello at the other end of the telephone line, I took a deep breath, swallowed hard, and began, Hello, Diane, you know... You don't know me, but my name is Jane, and I am a member of Alcock Anonymous. I'm calling on the request of your mother, who is very distraught. I wanted to let you know that I used to drink the way your mother says that you drink, and I have found a way not to drink like that anymore. My spill continued for several minutes while dead silence on the other hand. I was scared. I didn't know whether Diane was going to slam down the receiver, curse at me, or what. When I finally paused and took air for a few seconds to... She, Diane said, go on, I'm listening. She was listening. I met her later that day for the first AA meeting. We, we live at opposite ends of a large city, and we did not communicate for a while after she found an AA group in her area of the city. But today, I got a phone call from her. She says, I just wanted to let you know that today I am celebrating my one-year birthday. My heart was filled with the joy that comes from sharing the AA program, and I recall the old-timer had so often repeated, Bill, call Bob. Amen. Bill, call Bob. Amen. And I do. You know, one of the things I do, I take the, the number, and we get a new... I, one guy just completed 10 years. He was walking away. He said the church had sent him... The, the Catholic Church has sent him to AA meetings because he was just, they had to keep an eye on him when Mass was on there. It's, they came him away from the girls and the ladies and the married girls. They sent him to AA and uh, he's a businessman. He's talking wacky. I just walked with him to his car from the park as he came from, and I signed his court card or whatever. I walked to his car and as I walked to the car, I was able to extract his phone number from him. So I kept texting him, reminding him when we were there, texting him as the months went by. And he called me up and he says, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I'm going to beat your brains out. He goes, do you realize how much these texts are costing me? 15, 20 cents for every text I get from you? He was an uh, avid um, stock. You know, he, he picked up cans at the thing and he was just pouring money into his stock and going through a divorce, all kinds of things. And I ended up sponsoring the guy, and uh, I didn't react. I just, I said, yeah, that's an alcoholic, all right. So I just, and today he's going on 11 years, and he's going to speak, and then I'm going to speak one week, and he's going to speak the other. And just receive, remember that they're still drunk and they're thinking. Amen. I remember another guy that I used to, uh, give rights to for the court card and I felt like a, I guess I was being used you know that the guy wasn't sincere he was living 
with his brother and drop him off at the restaurant. He was living a life of luxury and, and um, you know, take going out of town, going to court with him, holding his backpack by the while the judge lectures the guy. Finally, I lost contact with him, and about three years later, I stopped at the gym, and I saw him. And he says, Fernando, this is Nick. He goes, I'm still sober. I got three years. Could have floored me. Could have floored me. Here's a guy that was DJing with drinking hand, and he got sober, and he's still DJing. And I remember for him to leave his profession, and he didn't. Thank God, huh? People are listening. All right, our next story comes to us from Finland, of all places. Son of Tall Man, February 1976, Grapevine. It says, I am sitting at home here in Helsinki, Helis, Helsinki, which situated in Finland. For many months, I thought to write an article as a counterpart to the American Indian who writes to the Grapevine. I had read the article from our grapevine, Rat Kayasu, where it appears into Finnish translation. From my childhood, I felt very strong sympathetic towards the Indians and the other native people. They have not easily got over the companionship of us. Finnish people are sensitive descendants of the forest people who have overturned the marshes of the fields. Their property is the toughness. But to me, as an alcoholic, was also fear characteristics. Really, it was not a part of the real me. In addition, we Finns are insociable and envious, and we alcoholics have often grudged to bear, not always. However, at the summer, we awake, really, someone too much. We begin to live, and we can breathe the unique clear air in the country of the thousands of lakes and millions of the ponds. In the childhood, I had an occasion to play Red Indians at the beach of a river. Sometimes I still go there to look, really. Now it seems rather like a brook. Here I can undergo the presence of the higher spirit, which we, everyone, have deep in ourselves, in our hearts, and we feel missing if we don't know it. AA says that it is the knowledge of God. In Finland, we speak about it with the little letters, hushing. We are not too brave and cheerful than I have heard that you are there in the United States. Although also we have often a good reason to be very glad, first for our sobriety and then for our independent country. We are autonomous like you, but do alcoholics be be independent themselves? That's the question. However, maybe we are more independent than we are sober than we were before when we needed charity of everyone and we had to be servile. My Indian friend, it was really magnificent happening when you told that you had seek work at a, the same, went to meetings, it was the same as I did, although not by running over the country, here can do so only the salesman. As far as here, I felt your gratitude, and I joined with your tribe, although I live here. I'm proud to belonging to this very international race and tribe. This AA is universally like love. That was from AA 
Helsinki, Finland, son of a tall man, February 1976. All right. Just trying to get over that Helsinki. <laughs> I'm probably not pronouncing it right. All right. Our next one is called The Right Stuff. W-R-I-T-E. The Right Stuff. I don't recall how many times we had actually discussed then put off attending a meeting in a neighbor boring community. But finally, three of us made a decision at last minute, went at that, and took off on the 17-mile drive. It was Tuesday night. My sponsor and I and the person who called me sponsor drove down the road, jabbering lightly about this and that, looking forward to a chance of pace and recalling the fact that none of us had been to a meeting in this particular town for at least a year. As we drove into the Easy Does It group parking lot, we were mildly surprised to recognize a fellow AA from our home group who had brought a newcomer. And as we all hurried in out of the icy winter air, our friend Monchen mentioned that he hadn't been at this particular group for several months. None, I suppose, thought too much of it. We've grown accustomed to these kinds of pleasant coincidences almost to the point of taking them for granted. In the old house, we were promptly greeted with smiles, handshakes, and a cup of hot coffee. I'm not a head counter, but my best guess was about 12 sober drunks sitting around an old ping pong table, which was shoved against another table about the same size. In the table center, were, there were enough literature to start a small library. As usual, the meeting was open with a serenity prayer, and the women chairing the meeting made some apologetic statement about being unprepared and nervous because this was her first time. We introduced ourselves, then the chairperson asked another woman to read how it works. At the precise moment, the woman said, Rarely have we seen a person fail. I sense something different about this meeting. I heard how it works read at least 3,000 times and probably more on any Tuesday night anywhere. The same part of the chapter 5 is read, but on that night it seemed very special to my ears, and I wonder if the others felt it too. The nervous woman sharing the meeting fumbled with some reading material in front of her, then announced she was going to read a short piece of sponsorship. Grapevine, it seemed apropos, apropos, apropos. But when she began to read, moving through about two or three sentences, I felt my heart jump and my breath nearly suck out of me. I nudged the friend next to me and whispered, My God, my God, I wrote that article. It must be four or five years old. After some of the surprise subsided and the women finished reading with the one-page piece, my sponsor reaching over to verify what he overheard me saying, mentioned that if we all wanted to consult the writer of the article, we could do so. The room was filled with more delighted gasps and disgusted we did. When it came my turn, I had all I could do to contain myself. After everyone had shared and we had closed with the Lord's Prayer, the lady who read out the chapter 5 came around the table and said, That's the higher power. The chairperson was as surprised as the five of us, but when we inquired how she came upon the particular article, this is the story she's told. 
I got a call earlier this afternoon and the regular chairperson said he couldn't make it and I would share the meeting. That I hadn't planned on coming because my daughter had a basketball game and I promised her to attend. We live in another town and I don't like to drive much during the winter, but I agreed. Before the game, I was in the basement of our church doing some work and a cleaning woman came out to me with a stack of booklets and small magazines. Much to my surprise, I found one grapevine. This one. I took it to the game, and during halftime, I began paging through it to look for a topic. I picked out two articles because they were short. When I got to the meeting, I still hadn't made a decision about the topic, but when I opened the grapevine, it was this article, your article, Knowing You. My sponsor looked at me. You probably had it all this prearranged. We all laughed and concluded it was one of those against-all-odds nights. You see, I wrote the first Grapevine article in a little town where I was the first to get sober in AA, and I wrote it convinced it would end up in someone's wastebasket. When I received an advanced copy of the Grapevine with a note of thanks, I was as happy as a lark. A few years later, we moved, then moved again, and the last time we moved, it was back to my hometown, and I truly wonder if I was in the right place today when I ever hear someone in our or out of AA talk about coincidence. I get one of those brief but faraway looks. People probably wonder why, but it doesn't matter, not really, because on a Tuesday night at another group I hadn't been to in a year, Several of us witnessed the strange and mysterious ways of love, and for that I shall always be grateful. J.V. from Alexandria, Minnesota. Wow, what an article. What that's. If I were God, I would do things like that for my kids, you know, to wall them, you know. We always had a prayer in the morning. Okay, God, it's a brand new day. Are you going to wall us today? What are you going to wall us with? Wow, look at God go. Look at his great things. I had a little story. I think you heard it before, but it's it's good. I was in Sacramento visiting uh, some groups. I started a few morning groups over there. And I went to go visit, and someone had turned in hundreds and hundreds of grapevines. They had about 400 of them, you know, from the 50s all the way down to current. And I only grabbed about 25 the first time I was there. And then the, the second time I, I stopped through there, I grabbed about 100 of them. And I still have them today. But um, they said, get as many as you want. They, they were going to move and nobody was reading them. So shoot. I guess I didn't know if anybody was reading them. The point I'm making, I grabbed one of the pile and I started reading. It was like September 1967, something in that nature. I have it around here somewhere. Anyway, I grabbed it in Sacramento, California. I was down and they had me share the next day. I was down in about an hour and a half going towards uh, Oakland in a little town called Antioch, California, where I started another 9 a.m. meeting. And the meetings were going good, but I was sharing. I was up in the front. And there was about maybe, I don't know, 12 people there. And I raced the article. I said, look at this. 1967 article, you know, I, I picked it up, and there's an incredible article. And as I was talking, one guy said, hey, can I have it? And I looked at him, and I, me and my big mouth, I gave it to him. 
Now look at this, folks. The next day, I go down to Turlock, California. To another, I didn't start no meeting there, but I went to um, a little group called Simply AA. And I really enjoy that stopping by where my son and grandkids live. And so I went to the little group. And I'm sitting in the table having coffee. And you're going to say that this is, this is bull bull. But is that odd or is that God? They had a lot of little grapevines in there. And I started just putting my hand. I used to go to the bottom and get the bottom one. And guess what I pulled up? September 1967. Folks, this is 2012 or something like that, 2016. And I pick up another one that I had desire to read. Today, I don't remember what that article is, but I'm sure I consumed it. Now, this is a true story, folks, and that's the coincidence that are, that God, if I were God, I would do something like that to let you know I'm in control. I got this. I'm a fun God. Relax. You're spending too much time on worry, you know, uh, run around and have fun and rejoice and laugh because uh, our, our creator, our higher power has us covered Amen. All right. What a, what a session, huh? Let's go ahead and finish up with the uh, My Creator, okay? The prayer, the seven-step prayer. My Creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go off from here to do your bidding. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it.